And then we are going to look at the word. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 4 <laughs> is where we will be. It doesn't say anything, so that's good. Okay. Um, Pastor Zeke's mom passed away last Tuesday, if you, haven't, if you didn't know that. And so um, he's been ministering to his family this week, and this weekend he's, he's spending some time with uh, his daughter in Visalia. And so be praying for our pastors, um, for Pastor Zeke and for Pastor Daniel and their families as they're in, you know, uh, in mourning for their uh, mom and grandma. And uh, Pastor Zeke has been ministering to his family, and so um, uh, and he's spending some time this weekend with his immediate family. And so um, you guys be praying for them. This is a difficult time for them. And uh, then this next week, be praying for them as they as they're getting prepared for the funeral next weekend. And so um, we just uh, just lift them up. As, as they have to deal with a very difficult and sad time. And so, uh, let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we lift our pastors up to you, Pastor Zeke and Pastor Daniel. Father, we pray your, uh, just, uh, your touch and your hand upon their hearts, Father, as they grieve at this time, and we pray that you'll minister to them as they've been ministering to family. And so, Father... Give them strength and, and um, just to feel your presence and to know that you're with them and um, that you will move and touch in there and, and use them that others may know you and minister to their families also. And Father, we pray uh, for your word right now. We just pray that you will minister and touch, that you will um, just um, anoint this time father as we know that you have with your worship and a time of communion and so now we just want to sit at your feet learn and grow in you and please uh, move and touch here in a mighty way this morning we place this service into your hands and holy spirit we ask you have your way and we glorify you and honor you lord in jesus name we pray amen so we're in first corinthians chapter four we're going to, I'm going to start at verse 6 because Pastor Daniel ended with verse 6 last time, and so I want to kind of cover over that and, and continue with what... Uh, I want to I kind of make sure I connect things here. So in verse 6 he says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one another against the other. For who makes you differ from another, and what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did not indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full, you are already rich, you have reigned as kings without us, and indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we might also reign with you. And so... Um, the apostle is really um, he's pretty fired up here, and uh, he's, uh, he's going to really start sticking it to these guys because of their attitudes and the way things are going here. I'm going to use the backdrop of the Amplified and the New Living Translation and some of explanations here just so that we can gain a clarity here because this can be one of those places that it gets confusing in the the New King James or the King James can kind of make it a little bit difficult to understand, but we can gain some clarity here. What Pastor Daniel was teaching us was that we should be thinking biblically. And it's important for us as we start this word and as we start looking at this to really get that in our head right now. That uh, we, um, we need to start thinking biblically. And so keep that in your head as we begin to work through the word here that, and, and to make sure that that's in the forefront and paramount as, you're, as we start to look at this word here because 
what these guys were doing was they were taking pieces of what other people, different people were saying. They were taking those things and then they were like pulling them into a place to where they felt that they were, they had arrived or that they, that was what they were going to stand on, but it was chunks and pieces of stuff that they were comfortable with. And they weren't within the whole counsel of God. They were just taking pieces and such and then using those things to establish whatever it was that they felt that, uh, uh, you know, where God wanted them to be or what or how they felt that they should be in him or whatever. And in that, once they gained that and they held on to that, then uh, they felt that they had arrived and they stopped at that point. And uh, the apostle is, is going to really push that that needs to change and they can't stay in that kind of a mindset. It, 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 the Word of God does not allow that. And so he says that, that um, as he goes on here, he says we don't have, you know, he says that we shouldn't be proud of one leader at the expense of another. I don't want to hold to take chunks from this guy and say, oh, I'm just going to hold with this, you know, because this is what he said and because he is who he is, I'm just going to, you know, and, and then there was opposing things. And when you get that sort of thing going and there isn't a central focus, once, excuse me, once something like that begins, that's when you start having problems with doctrine and that's when religions start and that's when, you know, people kind of get spread out and strung out and those kinds of things. And it's a very dangerous position and churches begin to break up into little chunks or people kind of go off in their own different places and stuff and and there has to be a focus and he's going to explain that to us here in a little bit but he says we don't have the right to make a judgment as i only receive from this teacher or that and i i always um whenever i have the opportunity to share um and when i start my study and when i start to put things together and and start to build upon that as I get into the Word, into what God wants to share, I, it, I can start off with a confidence, but I start to move into a, you know, an unsettling place because the importance of the Word and, and what He wants to share is paramount. It's huge. But once I get to a spot, I'm, I, I get more uncomfortable as it grow, as I move into it. I become more uncomfortable with it. Because, and that's when the Holy Spirit, then I begin to really pray and ask Him to take it and pull it together because I don't want it to be me. And you sure don't want it to be me. That's, that's an absolute. You don't want me to, to start preaching because if that happens, then there, there, there's nothing to it. That's what these guys were doing. They were taking pieces of what men said and they were holding them and they were staying within that. And once you take just extract out what men are saying and it's not of God and it's not of the word and you begin to you fill up quickly with that and you stay there, then there's no room for what God wants to do, you know, and how he wants to to move. And and there's no expansion there. And um and so, you know, I, I, um, I don't have to be an, an effective speaker, you know, in order to be used by God to share the word. It's, it's what the Holy Spirit does and how he does it and, and who he touches and how he touches. We all hear the same message many times, but it affects people in different ways and they take different pieces of how it affects their life at that moment in time. And people will say, man, you were just talking right to me or, you know, or, or it's about time you told my wife that or whatever it was, you know, and how, however, you know, you know, you hear all kinds of things. But um, how the Holy Spirit touches us is where it comes to. Excuse me. So then... <clears throat> But I have to be ready, I have to be studied up, and I have to be to that place where the, the Holy Spirit can have His way because He's the one that brings the increase and it's His desire as to how you know, He wants to teach us and show us. And so 
I'm going to read verse 8 out of the Amplified just so that we can kind of get an understanding of what Paul, where Paul is going with this and, and so we can get a little bit of an understanding of what he's dealing with here. Because he says here um, in verse 8, it says, You behave as if you have already filled, that you are already filled and think you have enough. You are full and content, feeling no need of anything. Already you have become rich in spiritual gifts and graces without any counsel or instruction from us. That is, in your conceit you have ascended your thrones and have come into your kingdom without including us. He's saying, you guys act like you're already in heaven, that it's a done deal and you don't have to learn anything more. You don't have to grow that you have arrived. And he's saying... And would that it were true and that you did reign so that we might be sharing the kingdom with you. And so he's like going, well, if you guys have arrived, how come we're not there? How come we're still, you know, in the position we are and you guys are so lofty? And he goes on to chide him. He doesn't stop. He continues on with this. But this is a very um, scary position, you know, to, to be in because... <clears throat> When, when, my, my, when I hold to a man as the source of my spiritual enlightenment, just a man without Christ, then there's folly there, and I, and I, and I, and I can be empty. And, and again, this is where cults and things start, because this is, and then there's guys who are charismatic, and then they begin to build upon these kinds of things, and people who are off into little wads of doctrine in, in different places, they start looking for something, then to replace what should be Christ in their life, they replace that with some kind of a doctrine, an ill-gotten thing that uh, leads to nowhere. And so we can't allow those kinds of things to happen. Again, we have to be biblically minded. We have to think that way. We have to start running everything through the Word of God and start paying attention to what the Word of God says. Everything, not just, just little, little pieces, but everything we have to do. I don't have a separate religion. I don't have a separate relationship. I don't have just a thing on Sunday that says this is... This is my God time and I can hang with that. But, you know, this over here, that's my job or this is my, you know, my fun time or this is what I, you know, my hobby or whatever. That's all separate from this. And God is saying, no, it's not. These have to be integrated because your life is your life and your life is mine. And it's in Christ. And in that then, he can then move and then we can become spiritually and, and biblically minded uh, throughout everything because we have to be careful of the enemy and how he's going to come when they talk about fiery darts and and he talks about having you know the breastplate you know and the shield and all of these different things that we need to battle you know our enemy it, there's no downtime for him he's constant and he's not going to say, well, you know what? I'm always going to come at you straight on. I'm never going to hide behind a bush. I'm never going to be behind a wall. I'm never going to sneak up. I'm always going to be in your face. If you really think that way, then you're always going to get beat up because he's always coming from the outside and sneaking up. He's, never, he's always going to be covert. He probably, you know, he's an expert at guerrilla warfare and he will do that. He will always be undercover trying to get you in some manner. Oh, he might be in your face once in a while, but he will always be coming from the sides too. Always be wary. And in whatever manner he's going to come. Let's, let's look at verse 9 here. He says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ." We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled we bless, being persecuted we endure, being defamed we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, now offscoring, uh, scoring of, our, of all things until now. 
he's chiding them pretty heavy in this whole thing and he's not stopping at all. And he says that it's as if God has put the apostles um, in a victory parade at the end as if they're like prisoners of war. And so that's how they are looked upon in the world. When the victory parade goes by and the conquering army has gone by and then they have all those prisoners of war at the end and they're looked down upon and spit upon and everything and, and nobody thinks, you know, everybody hates those guys and stuff. He says, that's us at the end. That's, that's our position in, in where we are. It's not really a, um, <clears throat> a desirable job description, is it? Because when it comes to, you know, um, how Paul describes being one that walks with God or being used by God in some manner, it is not, you know, a popular place to be. Now, you know, nobody, you know a lot of people, they, they want to become missionaries and that sort of thing, or they have a desire to become a pastor or whatever, but um, believe me, it isn't something that you think that is a lucrative position that you're going to, you know, um, you know I'm going to be a missionary to India and I'm going to make a lot of money doing that, you know. It's just, you know, I'm just going to be wealthy beyond my... And it's like, no, you're going to be one of those guys that's going to dig a grave in front of the village and if they need to fill it they will fill it and sometimes those get filled with people and they understand that going in you know now I could you know desire to be a pastor and be like um, Joel Olstein, you know and have that you know the hair and the big huge place and all the killer you know and all that stuff you know and just you know really you know wow that'd be just that's what I want to do you know and be thought of as as spiritual and holy and all that stuff and I don't know what that that man or anything but I mean um, when you see something like that people can aspire to do that but if you really want to find out what it's like look at this you know look and examine what it is that he were were uh, they're at here because that's where it comes down to <clears throat> and we got to kind of get a, our head wrapped around that because um, he says here that our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you guys are so wise in Christ, and we are weak, but you are so powerful. We are ridiculed, but we are dishonored. And then he goes into another, his current situation where he says that, we're, that they're hungry and they're thirsty and they don't have enough clothes to keep warm. And you know, we are often you know, um, beaten and have no homes. And so, you know, he has to also work on the side. You know, he was a tent maker. And the Apostle Paul was one that uh, he really didn't want to burden the churches. That was something that he didn't, uh, personally, he didn't want to do. And so he rarely took support from church. But he, he taught that the church leader, the pastor, should be taken care of and supported by the church. He was very plain about that. He was very straight up. And if you read in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 9, verses 1 through 18, he's very, he makes it very plain as to how, you know, that, uh, how the church is supposed to take care of the pastor. It's very straight up how that happens and, and how we're supposed to do that. But the apostle worked on the side as a tent maker and, uh, and he didn't take a lot of support from the churches because he, didn't want to, he wanted to make sure that it wasn't about the money to them because people can get sidelined into that kind of thing and he didn't want that to happen. And we begin to kind of see his, his focus and his setup here and he's going to go into something here that can make us uncomfortable in a couple of different places. And when I was talking about earlier about when I was studying this and I was going through this, this is one of those places where you suddenly you kind of go, man, I just, really, is this what I need? You know, and he's like going, yeah, this is what I want. And so we're going to dive into some areas here that uh, can make us a little bit uncomfortable. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about tithing today, but it kind of goes along that same line. It's like that kind of an uncomfortable situation where people are kind of going, really? Seriously? I don't think so. You know? But uh, we're going to go here anyways, because this is where God wants us to go. And so 
Um, But with the apostle, it was really not about the money and that kind of thing. And so, um, towards the end here um, of this group of scripture we just read, he says here, make sure I got this right. Yeah, okay. It says here, when he's talking about the ministry, he talks about their living situation. He talks about their attitude, how you guys think you're way up here, but really, when we're down here, and I don't understand how you guys got up there, and then he's like going, okay, so um, our living situation is like this, and I'm not even asking anything of you guys. I'm not bugging you about that. And then he goes into the ministry portion here, and he says, we are patient with those who abuse us. We bless those who curse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. We have been made as the filth of the world or garbage up until now. On Thursday night we talked, um, we were in Second Samuel in chapter 16. And we looked at... Um, how King David handled certain situations in a very adverse place and how he really, you know, was... Um, he dealt with people with in mercy and grace in, in a most difficult place when it probably lashing out and, and taking everybody out would have been a lot easier for him, but he didn't do that. And he showed a lot of restraint. And so... Um, we looked over to at um, uh, Luke chapter 6. And so you can turn over there. And we're going to examine this same scripture that we looked at here because I think that God has brought it back up to us again in this group of scripture here. And it's important for us to get our mind wrapped around this. We're going to start in verse um, 27 here in Luke chapter 6. And he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away, from, takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and land, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. We've got to pray over this Scripture. We have to receive this and hang on to it and make it real in our lives. Remember, we need to start thinking biblically. We need to start taking these kinds of things and making them uh, real in our lives. This Scripture is in the Word here. It isn't something that we just kind of stuck in there and say, hey, you know what? If you feel like doing this stuff, that's cool. No, this is the words of Jesus. Now, if I'm over here in 1 Corinthians, I'm going, man, I'm glad I'm not a pastor because, man, I'd have to do all that stuff. I'll be merciful and patient with people that abuse me. Yeah, yeah, but... I ain't even getting there. I'm not going there. But no, if we look at this, this is five times what this is. What, what he's saying is, is that he was make, this was a part of his life and he was making it real. And so what he, when we take something like this and we read this, I can promptly and effectively cast that away and say, I'm not even going there. Because I, I, I can't do that. that's impossible, there's no way, and so I'm going to ignore it. And he's saying, no, you will not ignore this. You know, we have, as Christians, we have to be very careful when we take our conservative views 
and we put them over what the Word of God says. We have to be very careful when we start to, to take those things that we hold as a principle of some way and make them out to be and overshadow the Word of God. Be very careful with that. Because we can be very adamant about our right to bear arms or something like that, but be very careful when we take something like that and allow it to overshadow what the Word of God says. Because if the Word of God is telling us that if someone's going to take your stuff, don't even try to get it back. Be very careful about this. Because the Word of God says this. And we have to start thinking biblically. Because if I take my views and I all of a sudden come up and say, this is, this is you know, what I believe, and all of a sudden I'm believing something special and certain, and it's not really even in the Word of God, then I have put myself in the position of these Corinthians when I am taking certain chunks, making them some kind of a value, and holding on to it, and it goes against directly the Word of God. And I have to be very careful about that. And my conservative views can do that also. Everything that just because it's conservative, that doesn't mean it's biblical. And I have to be careful in this way. Yeah, man, but I'll tell you what, I know. I know how you feel. I read the articles too. I'm outraged about the things that goes on and what happens. But I have to be careful about what the Word of God says. That's why we have to start thinking biblically. The apostle was very clear about these things. He wanted us to make sure that we were prepared in here for how to deal with life. The king made sure that he did not react in an adverse manner to those that were coming against him because the ramifications could have been huge. And he was taking every effort to make sure that more bloodshed wasn't done. As you looked at 2 Corinthians or at 2 Samuel 16, he was making sure that he didn't cause more grief by his instantaneous reactions. We've got to be in the same position. We've got to be in the same thinking the same way. We've got to think biblically. Everything has to be run through the Word of God. Oh man, how am I going to do that? By reading it. If I know what it says, then I know how to react to whatever it is that's coming at me. And then I can understand how I'm supposed to proceed with things. And if I'm, I don't know exactly what to do here or there or whatever, then I begin to pray over it. That's why I say when you see something like 1 Corinthians 6, pray about it. Really ask God to make sure that this sort of thing is planted in your heart according to His will and His desire. Because if all of a sudden I take something like this group of Scripture and I throw caution to the wind and just start, you know, piling all my stuff in the front yard and saying, ah, take it, I don't care, I don't need it, you know, whatever, God bless your brother. And then you're just like, yeah, right. You know, people are thinking you're nuts. But I read an article about a man who had been ripped off so many times that he went and purchased a, a weapon and he hid inside his house and he made, made sure he pretended that those guys, you know, that, that thought he was gone and they broke into his house and he shot and killed them and then he was arrested for murder and we're outraged. They keep on ripping off his stuff. But the Word of God says that he had no right to shoot those guys just because of that. We've got to be careful as to how we proceed. Because if, if we understand you know, how we, people are put upon, but it's very important that we react in a godly manner and we think biblically along those lines. Otherwise, we have to deal with the ramifications because we've placed ourselves in a precarious position. This is difficult stuff. We have to realize exactly how 
the apostle was talking to these guys, and we don't want to be put in that position that they were. And we can be lofty (laughs) in our thoughts and say, I'm not there. But I am in a lot of ways and a lot of times because I take chunks of the Word of God and I hold on to that, but I don't take the whole counsel of God because if I do, I'm responsible for it. And I, and I don't want to move in that. It's scary. And, and, and I'm responsible for that. And God says, no, you've got to do this. And the apostle was perfectly fine with everyone thinking he's garbage. He had no problems with that. He's going, I can deal. Because he had a foundation from which to stand on. And he wasn't afraid to, to just put everything on God and leave it there. Man, I don't know how I got that coffee so hot, but I managed to do it. Anyways, so then, <clears throat> we'll go back and continue on here. Looking at verse 14, he says, I don't write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. He's going to give us a focus now. And a real, he's giving them a good reality check, but he's given a, a real focus as to how to deal with what it is that we've been talking about. How I can't spread myself out and take little chunks of stuff and make it my own and create my own little religion and that sort of thing. He's saying you need to be under the guidance of a spiritual leader. That's what he says. He says that he's telling them that he is their spiritual leader. That's what he says. He says, I'm your spiritual leader, and so you guys should be doing the stuff that I say, and you guys should be imitating me in the way that I walk. That's what he says. Our spiritual leader for this fellowship is Pastor Zeke, and we are under his leadership and under his authority. And so, as one who does get to share the opportunity to share from the pulpit, Pastor um, Daniel, Jacob, myself, or anyone that comes up here, or, or, or anyone who's involved in any kind of service in this church here, in this fellowship, if you're in the back, you know, with the children, or if you're um, um, in any type of service, if it's setting up tables, if it's, you know, to clean up, or if it's maintenance, or in whatever manner, in, in whatever, we are under his authority and his teaching and his counsel, his teaching and his mentoring. He is our spiritual leader of this fellowship. And so if we ever have anybody that comes to visit, like um, Pastor Hernandez is going to be here this evening, he is also under that same authority because we make sure that that doctrine or whatever that's shared comes under that authority of Pastor Zeke. And so it's important for us to understand that. Now, if I'm, if I'm teaching, but I'm not coming to church, then there's folly here, right? Because I don't know what the pastor's true heart is if I'm not learning. So, and even if I'm not in any direct service, but I'm in my own kind of a, of a study or whatever, I have to make sure that I, you know... Um, go through as I go through the word and stuff his teaching and everything and and I have to check things out and how he teaches and whatever I have to go along that same line and, and combine this so that I'm doctrinally safe and sound because if I allow myself to get out onto tangents and get away from what it is that's being taught then I can then all of a sudden get broken up and I can wind up in places that I don't belong or I can be carried away by various doctrines. And I have to be careful because the fringes I can be attacked on and people can be lost on the fringes. I can't, you know, share with you something that is, you know, off, 
you know, off base. And if I do do that, and Pastor Zeke does listen to me, definitely he does, because he's not going to let me anywhere as near a mic if he's not knowing what it is that I'm saying. That's a guarantee. And so he makes sure that whatever it is that is taught here and shared with goes along those same lines that's biblically as he prays over that because he's responsible for this fellowship and we are under his authority in that. And um, the word is very clear about this in, in um, Hebrews chapter 13. And I can read those to you real quick. I just can't turn over there real quick, but I can read them real quick. It says then that um, in verse 7 of Hebrews 13, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Now they're talking about good conduct. And so if you're, if you're you know, worried about, yeah, but what about that pastor that, you know, ran off with the, you know, uh, so-and-so and all that, that consider the the good outcome and then if that sort of thing happens then you of course pray and God will set you up but you know under the authority of someone else but in that you consider the good conduct and Paul is saying you imitate me that's what he's saying Pastor Zeke tells us the same thing it says in verse 17 obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So he's saying, don't get way out there and get off in the tangents and that sort of thing. You know, stay close. Stay under the authority of the pastor. Pay attention to the things he says. Think biblically and check out the Word. Be in the Word. Pray continuously. Be involved in part of the fellowship and stay connected. And in that, you can be a cohesive group. And we're not splintering off and taking chunks and just hanging on to it, you know? I mean, if all of a sudden I came up here and I says, you know what, we're going to start a snake ministry, you know? And we're going to have a bunch of snakes and we're going to, like, hold them and let them bite us and stuff and everything. And then Pastor Zeke would shut that down. And so I'm going to take all the snake people and we're going to leave and go, you know, and stuff and all. I mean, I'm not going to do that, but, you know. Um, I mean, people, some of you guys may enjoy that. Um, but uh, we have to stay under that authority. Now, this is, this is, this is a tough scripture. And this being the kind of people, you know, my mindset first thing is I'm not going to under authority of anybody. I'm not going to let anybody hook me by the nose and drag me around. Jesus is my authority. You know, yeah, that's true. But make sure you know what it is that he's teaching and make sure that you know and you're doctorally sound. And that's why we come to church to stay that way. That's why it's important for us to be here to do that. We can't branch off into little spots all over the place. We need a focus and we need a group. And someone is responsible for that group. That's how God has set it up. And Pastor Zeke is that. He is our spiritual leader. And he's the one then that does that and teaches us the Word of God. And we stay under that authority. And I know that there are those who, you know, wound up laying on, um, you know, their rack with a blue or the purple cloth over their face waiting for the spaceship to come and get them. And then there was those Jim Jones and they drank the Kool-Aid and all that kind of stuff. We know about those guys. We're not talking about that kind of thing here. You know, there's congressional churches if Pastor Zeke decides we're all moving to Idaho next week, you know, no, we're not going to all move to Idaho. You know, in fact, you know, he probably doesn't want all of us going to Idaho with him anyways. But um, And then... There are churches that actually have a thing set up to where if you want to purchase a refrigerator or a stove, then you go and ask permission of the pastor to see if it's okay if you can do that. Now, Pastor Zeke probably is, 
has a good line on where you could get a cheap refrigerator because he's really good at that sort of thing and he has a real good understanding of where you could get a good deal and he'd be more than happy and he'd even take his truck over there and pick it up with you and help you get it in the house. But uh, he's not going to tell you whether you can buy it or not. We're not talking about that sort of thing. We're talking about the Word of God. We're talking about as he works through the Word and he teaches us the Word, then we grow in that and we are close together as a cohesive group so that as something comes up and some other kind of thing tries to infiltrate, we have a guard against that. These guys were moving out and splintering out into little groups and different things because they're holding to certain ideas and doctrines or certain people or something. And he's going, that's a very dangerous position to be in. Don't go there. We need to be cohesive. He goes, you guys need to get back with what I taught you in the first place. You got to get back unto a place to where you, you are cohesive in that and stay in that group. You guys got to get back to what's real because when new people come in and they hear some kind of weird sideline thing and they take off on that, then all of a sudden everything gets splintered and people get spread out and then the word and things get lost and the church dies because everybody's getting all beat up on the fringes instead of being a cohesive group together. And he says, you know, that you guys have a thousand teachers, you know, they can tell you about Christ, but one spiritual father. Now, we do have different speakers here that does speak. And that doesn't mean that, well, I'm not going to listen to this guy or that, or you're saying I only have to listen to Pastor Zeke or, you know, you know, that kind of thing. We all come under that authority and we call along that same line and that same teaching so that whatever it is that I share, I know I have his heart. That's why if you're sharing in the back as a teacher or you're working back there as a Sunday school teacher, you have to be in church. So if you're back there, then you have to come to both services. I want to come to both. Damn, what you got to? If you're going to be a Sunday school teacher, you have to come to both services because you got to be in here. But that's the way it is for all teaching or anything like that. I can't speak from the pulpit and then, you know, go off on the fringes and that sort of thing and and not come to church. We have all kinds of church. We've got, you know, there's Bible studies, there's men's and there's women's and there's Thursday night and then there's, uh, um, you know, Wednesday night Bible study. There's, you know, two services on Sunday mornings. We have all kinds of church, but you have to make sure you're here, especially if you're serving here. You have to make sure you're in church. It's paramount and it's important. And we all have our favorite teachers. We, we know that. Pastor Daniel is quite dynamic. Pastor or, um, uh, Jacob is, is a great and awesome speaker. You know, I myself, I'm kind of a snorer, I know that, because Pastor Larry talked about that. He talked about how, you know, um, uh, you can see everything from here. And that's true. I can see everything from here. I know. One time, this is about a year ago, so I can say this. There was a young man that fell asleep on this side over here. He was right on the aisle here. He didn't fall asleep. This guy laid out. Kicked, crossed his legs, crossed his arms, put his head on the back of the chair. His mouth was open. He was gone. Now, I tell you what, I have a wireless mic. And oh, I can move any place I want. I mean, I can walk down here. You know, I can walk up and down the aisle. I really can. And if you really think that I wouldn't do that, then you haven't been here for a while. Because I could do that. Now, am I going to do that? Probably not. I don't know. But I can, and I can move all around. And that was the one time when I almost did it. I've thought about doing that before, just walking down and, you know, say, hey, you need to hear this, wake up. You know, I can do that. That was the one time, but I don't, you know, he was a young man and his family was there and that'd be embarrassing and they might not come back and that doesn't help. So, you know, you guys better be careful, I'm watching. Anyways. No, I probably won't do that. But anyways, 
But there's different speakers and, and, and everything, and, and, and we have our favorites, and we enjoy however God wants to, to share and those kinds of things with different people and that kind of stuff. I yell sometimes to wake people up. I know I could do that, you know, and so I get, you know, emphasis on something, and people snap awake, and that's cool. And, uh, but we, uh, we have our favorites and that kind of thing, but our authority and our teaching and those kinds of things. And if we're serving here, we've got to know the pastor's heart, each and every one of us. And none of us are any different. He is, God has placed him here as the anointed pastor, this, our spiritual anointed leader here at this fellowship. And that's who our authority is under. And we have to make sure we're there so that um, we can um, be a cohesive group in that. And so then, looking at verse... um, Verse 18. He says... Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power for the kingdom of God is not in the word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Verse 8 in in the Amplified here, he says, some of you have become conceited, arrogant, and pretentious, counting on me not coming. The thing of it is, is he probably came a couple of more times, and so he did show up, and he did check it out. He was interested in what was behind what it was, their arrogance. He wanted to make sure that whatever it was, that it needed to be the power of God. He wanted to make sure that their teaching was correct and right on. And were they following the doctrines and the things that he had taught them? Or were they going off on fringes? thing of it is, is, okay, cool. Apostle Paul's not going to show up and start thumping on us, right? But God can. And I don't want him showing up and, and with a rod to straighten me out because what's going on behind me and, and I'm getting arrogant about something what I should be thinking biblically and be in a position to where I can then be used by God according to the power that he has, that's His and not running along my own. I never want to get into a position to where I'm on my own by myself out there separated from the group. I always want to be involved in, in you know, but I want to be in that mentoring and in that counsel and in the Word and that sort of thing from what the, the spiritual leader that God has placed here. I want to be in that position so that I can be used by God as He uses all of us together to minister to those that's out there. And that's what's important for us. Because then He can come to us with love and gentleness and we can be receptive and open to that. I don't want to get thumped on. And I don't want to get thumped on by Him. I don't want God to come and have to say, you know what, man? You need to get knocked down a few notches because, you know, you're getting out there. And He does that. And He will do that. Because He loves us. And that's what the Apostle says straight up. He's like going, you know, I'm not trying to shame you. What I'm trying to do is I, I love you guys and I want you to be okay. And that's always the bottom line in the encouragement in these things, isn't it? God always wants us to be okay because He loves us so much that He wants us to be good and in a good position so that we can be used by Him and that we can know Him better doesn't want us to be out there just kind of floundering around hoping that maybe I'm going to go to heaven because I'm okay and that I was a good guy. He wants you to act and to walk and to know that you're saved and that you're going to be with Him and that this is just a brief period of time that we're here. And so, be prayerful. Think biblically minded. Stay in the Word and then do it. Pray over tough scriptures like what's in Luke 6. 
Don't just try to do everything, pray about it, and let God nurture you and bring you to a place to where you can grow and know Him better and be used by Him in that. You're going to be okay. And then whatever comes your way, you can handle it. And tough times are going to come. Look at what the Apostle went through here. Just this tiny brief, brief description he gives of what they're going through at this time. That's what they were going So I, you know, I can't have a house. I have to be homeless and beat up and stuff in order to be a good Christian. No. But understand that you're going to have the tools of which to deal with life as it comes at you no matter what it is because of the Word of God. And He's going to take care of you. But be aware. Don't take chunks and just hang on to them as if that is where you're at and you've arrived and, and all that. Make good and sure that you know what the Word of God says and you're ready for adversities that come. You can handle it and you can deal with life. That's His desire for us. And that's His desire for, for you to grow in Him, to know Him better, so you're going to be okay. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, um, we just pray, Lord, that uh, we can um, just... Um, desire you and, and your word and your ways we pray father that uh, that we'll uh, think biblically minded father that we will be um, in touch with what you want in us father and and that we can learn and grow and though adversities may come that we'll be ready for those things and that we can um, uh, be used by you in whatever lord in whatever manner, but that uh, we'll have the strength to stand in that time and in that day, Father. Lord, we pray for Pastor Zeke. We pray that, that you'll keep him close to you always, that he'll always hear your voice. We pray that he'll always um, know you, walk with you, that you'll always uh, counsel him, minister to him, fill him, and use him. Uh, and that we will stay under that authority, Father, and that we won't be misguided and, and get off in our own little tangents and spots, but to, to be led by you, Father, through that. And so, Father, we just uh, glorify you. We lift up this day to you. Please fill us, Lord. Use us, and uh, that we can always know you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.